Welcome to the ninth Ted Hughes Society podcast. This podcast is rather different from the previous ones. Rather than consisting of either readings of poems or prose by Ted Hughes, or a talk or discussion focusing on some aspect of the work of Ted Hughes, this podcast pays tribute to the inspiration that Ted Hughes's poetry continues to provide to other writers. Four members of the Ted Hughes Society have recorded themselves reading poems which they have composed and which they feel, without being imitative of Ted Hughes's work, are in some way indebted to his example and to the pleasure and encouragement to their own creativity that reading Hughes's work has given them. The first poet you'll hear is Mark Hayworth Booth, reading his poem St Mark's Flies. The St Mark fly, or hawthorn fly, is a common, long, shiny black fly that can be found in large numbers during the spring around woodland edges fields, and it's so-called because it usually emerges around St Mark's Day, April the 25th. Mark's poem is an imaginative and multifaceted close observation of the insects that I'm sure Ted himself would have greatly enjoyed. Mark is followed by Michael McCall, one of our Australian members, who reads his brief poem in memory of Ted Hughes, in which he draws inspiration from three Hughes poems in creating a moving epitaph. There is then a change in both pace and scale when James Longwill reads his own extremely powerful version, more a vision than a revision, of Rambo's poem The Drunken Boat, which is also a reminder of the vital importance which interactions with foreign poets through his co-editorship of Modern Poetry and Translation, at international festivals and in his voluminous correspondence, not to mention his own translations, had for Ted Hughes. Finally, Terry Gifford reads December Barn Owl Watching, another close observation of nature with a profoundly meditative undercurrent, which may remind regular listeners of his poem A Shoaling at Tumbiola Bridge, which he read for the third podcast, entitled Tales of Wisdom, Magic and Fish, The Catch, Part 3. This podcast represents just a little of the remarkable amount of creative talent which exists within the Ted Hughes Society. My grateful thanks goes to all four poets for such excellent readings. If you would like to find out more about the Ted Hughes Society, you can visit the Society's website at the Ted Hughes Society, all one word, dot org, or you can email me, Mick Gower, at membership at the Ted Hughes Society dot org. I hope you enjoy the podcast. My name's Mark Hayworth Booth, and um, I've written for the Society's Journal about Ted an article called The Tribe of Ted. I first heard him read in November 1963, in my first term at Cambridge, and that reading changed my life. I've always tried to avoid sounding like Ted or channeling him in my my own poetry, but the one I'd like to read is, I think, the closest I've come to using some of his mastery of hyperbole really. It's a subject that I think he would have liked. It's called St Mark's Flies. These are 
flies that emerge around the time of the feast day of St Mark, 25th of April, which gives them their name. St Mark's Flies I met them one early evening of this long, late, insectless spring, sailing a mild breeze, swooping between the hedgerows, looping along, legs trailing, dangling through the air, riding their ski chairs, the westering sun landing smack on each millimetre broad back, filling each tiny body with infinity. These flying sparks of gold, careering aeronauts so bold at voyaging their earth, charged with cosmic warmth and fearless, if precarious. It's Michael McCall from Primrose Sands in Tasmania, uh, possibly your southernmost member of the Elmet Trust. I say thank you again for your opportunity to contribute a little creative piece and it's a, a little poem I would like to call In Memory of Ted Hughes and it's based on three poems or when I was thinking of writing this particular piece it's only a small piece but it was based on three of my favourite Hughes poems Still Life, Coming Down Through Somerset and the extended narrative work Gaia Date. The nail, driven flush into the yew, left untouched, turns to dust, the maker and fate of the stars. And of the riven sun that made anew the driven nail and you. Hi to all my friends in the UK who, like me, are wonderful and great fans of a great and wonderful poet, Ted Hughes. The drunken boat after Rambo. As I was hauled down unknown rivers, our boat surged free of restraining tow ropes, screams and ululations told the fate of the ferrymen. They'd been stripped and nailed by arrows to bloody totems. Yet I had care for neither crew nor cargo, those sacks of Flemish grain and bales of English cotton. Once the screams and ululations had receded, I thrilled to the seaward driving powers of the current. It recalled the race and tide rips of last winter, when, heedless to danger, I sailed the waters of the bay. In that stormy season, peninsulas unchained from their shores had never suffered under such heaving seas. Once at sea, tempests kept me wide-eyed through the night. Elated, I rose and fell with a sea swell. Those comers and breakers, those widow-makers. Ten nights I sailed with neither compass nor rescue flares. Sweeter than the sour flesh of stolen apples, green sea-water sloshed about in the bilges of my hull and washed my clothes, stained with wine and vomit. What cared I for loss of grapnel, hooks and tiller? From then I bathed in the poem of the sea, starlit and opalescent under pearly moons. By day I devoured oceanic blues until a suicide, bleached human flotsam, arose and sank in my mind. 
my mind that region where the cerulean fractured into a delirium of searing light that flashed and shimmered stronger than alcohol vaster than those lyrics that ferment the wormwood of life and love I sailed under skies zagged and lashed with lightnings, marked typhoons and undertows, painted dusks and dawns, which arose tempestuous as a flock of doves. I testify to visions which few men credit. I have seen sunsets wrecked with sanguine horrors, a molten cauldron, torn bands of purple and magenta, an ancient drama of sky and boundless sea, coruscations of broken light shuddering on the waves. Green nights I have dreamed bedazzlements of snow, a kiss arriving slowly to the eyes of the sea, the circulation of unknown saps, the blue and yellow awakening of lum luminous singers, nights of marine phosphorescence, plankton, sea sparkle, nights of fireships blazing under Arcturus, ghostly leviathans arising from ocean depths. Month after month I have followed the breakers as they crashed wildly on the reefs, with no thought that the virgin in blue could walk on the waters of swollen seas. I made landfall on the Feast of Flowers, noted flora, skin-smooth petals with panther eyes, hallucinated rainbows, tortoise bridles, under sea horizons with their glaucous flocks. I have seen enormous salt marshes simmer, nets where a black fish rotted, aquatic failures in the midst of calm, distances toppling into the abyss. Glaciers, nacreous clouds, polar stratospherics, skeletal wrecks in the bottom of turbid gulfs, where sea serpents, tortured by biting lice, fall with dark aromas from twisted trees. I would have liked to show children bream of the blue wave, flying fish, whale songs. At times I was cradled and dandled as my boat drowsed in the sea. At others, full-sailed, I flew on ineffable wings. Sometimes heroic witness, I tired of poles and zones. The sea, whose sobs made my rolling gentle, lifted to me its shadow flowers with yellow suckers, and I genuflected like a pious woman. I sailed island-like on the rolling seas, pursued by a ruckus of wall-eyed seabirds, while down below, amongst frayed ropes, drowned sailors sank slowly into the depths. My boat was becalmed in the hair of coves, or thrown by typhoon beyond birds into the ether. I, whose drink-sodden carcass, no patrol boat, no Hanseatic vessel would rescue from the waves. Free, steaming, pitched in violet haze, I who pierced the sky like a flaming wall, which wears the delightful preserve of good poets, lichens of the sun, and is your snot. I, who ran stained with thrilling half-moons, a mad plank escorted by black seahorses, when Julys with cudgel blows were collapsing ultramarine skies into ardent funnels. I, who trembled, hearing in the distance groans of rutting mastodons and dense whirlpools, dark fates, days of mists and lost horizons, how I longed for Europe, its pinnacles, its storm-proof ramparts. I have seen astral archipelagos and isles whose delirious skies mark sailors' highways. 
Is it in these deathless nights that you sleep, you flock of golden birds, you sources of future vigour? But truly, I have wept too much. Dawns are grievous, the moon's face is ill-omened, the daylight bitter. Love's absinthe has filled me with narcotic torpor. Oh, that my keel would shatter. Oh, that I would dissolve into the sea. Now, if I desire Europe's waters, is the little pond, black and cold, where at fragrant twilight a crouching child, full of sadness, launches a paper boat, frail as a maid butterfly. Now my boat can no more ride the rolling sea, nor cut the wake of merchant clippers, nor invincible defy the pride of flags and flames, nor ghost past the iron portals of prison ships. Translated by James Longwell. Rambo's poem, with its phantasmagoric voyage, with all the heightening effects of its accumulation of hallucinatory incidents, lends itself to raising the voice, to giving vent in a rhythmically emphatic manner. Somewhere in the back of my mind, Hughesian influences must be at work. So I'd started writing uh, poems before I came across Ted Hughes' poetry, and I found that it very much sort of tuned in with my own, um, of course, at a completely different level. But he very much was like me, thinking and exploring metaphors to see how far they could stretch. Um, and the difficulty for me as a poet has been avoiding phrases of Hughes's, which when, you, when you're searching for a phrase comes up into your head. Um, and mostly I've actually managed to avoid that, except on some occasions where I've slipped one in, which I think of as a kind of homage, uh, but it's probably cheating. Um, anyway, uh, to this present poem. Uh, three years ago, I discovered that my neighbour owned um, a field in which he'd erected barns uh, he'd inherited this field just at the end of our lane uh, down on the levels here in Somerset. Uh, and he installed loads of owl boxes, both in his barns and on top of telegraph poles in his field. Um, he works by um, repairing uh, electricity pylons. And so he has a stock of telegraph poles. And over the last three years, um, there have been regular barn owls, um, regular tawny owls, but I've been obsessed with the barn owls. Um, and uh, this actually is interrupting my barn owl hour um, when I would normally just be going out for 10 minutes, drive up the lane and uh, sit uh, at the gates of these barns. I noticed that the barn owls, which I was particularly fascinated by, uh, tend to fly up uh, out of the barn and across the hillside, which overlooks the levels. And when I walked up the hillside, I found that the clump of trees that it regularly passes in this meadow actually hide a pond. And the pond is kept in place by a, a small concrete wall. And I've taken to sitting on this concrete wall at dusk 
um, and waiting for the barn owl to come flying up towards me. So this poem is called December Barn Owl Watching. After sunset, at the fag end of the year, its red glow pulses in clouds above the distant Polden Hills to a slow December darkening silence. Cold holds these drained meadows beyond my concrete seat on this slope of long grass awaiting the grazing owl from its box in the barn just below. Through binoculars, I catch a dark movement over a drain bank. A fox, now lost, now nearer, bouncing along the bank, white tail tip trailing. I watch it pause, peer down the ditch, sit like an alert dog, then lollop along a scent across the open field, halt mid-stride, then strike with a leap on something escaped, but jog on down a deer track in the grass, saving the farm barns for full darkness, the promise to come. I lose it, finally, following the ever-urgent trails of the year still unfolding now beyond my straining sight, which I turn towards the barn. Was that a tawny owl trying hesitantly a prospecting call in the field edge trees? Belated confirmation. I tremble a reply from the hollow of my hands and wait. Suddenly, a silent shadow fills the just light sky above my head, stalls and turns away, a gifted shape, releasing me now from the cold seat. No barn owl tonight, white ghosting as before, like a blown handkerchief tumbling low over the grass. I stumble down the long grass slope to the car. Then two deer trot unhurriedly ahead in the hedged lane until released by that gate we all hope will appear somehow at the turning of the year.